This is The Lydia Project, Conversations with Christian Women. Our name is inspired by the life-changing conversation that Lydia had with Paul, recorded in Acts 16. On this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of women whose lives have also been impacted by the truth of the gospel. Your hosts, Tori Walker and Taryn Hayes, hope that you too will be challenged and inspired by how the gospel truths are being worked out in the lives of their guests, ordinary women who serve an extraordinary God. Today, your host is Tori Walker. Today's podcast was recorded on the traditional lands of the Turrbal and later the Yagara people. Today, it's my great privilege to bring you this podcast recording. It took quite a while to organise and finally meet with and record this interview with Brooke Prentice, but it's a really important interview and I'm just so thrilled that the Lydia Project is able to amplify Brooke's voice and share a little bit about her, but also about the work that she does. Brooke is an Indigenous woman from the Waka Waka people and she works as the CEO of Common Grace which is a Christian organisation promoting justice in Australia. Brooke has so many helpful things to say and look if ever you were going to share a podcast episode I really would love you to share this one. I just think it's really important her call for people to listen and I think sharing this podcast episode whether by social media or sending a text to a friend or hitting the little share button on your podcast app it's just a great way to enable more people to hear what she has to say and hopefully more people to be able to just think a little bit more about listening and learning and loving. Well, Brooke, thank you so much for coming on to be a guest of the Lydia Project. I have really been looking forward to this conversation. I have been challenged by you personally, actually, and some of the things that you've said in Common Grace of the importance of Christians to be listening to Aboriginal Christians and hearing their stories, hearing their experiences. So I'm really looking forward to hearing your story and the work that you do with Common Grace today. Yeah, it's really wonderful to be here. I'm so grateful for the invitation and excited for the journey we'll take in the next little while. Lovely. Well, can I start by hearing from you how you came to faith in Christ? Yeah, so I came to faith through one of my friends, uh, Natalie, and it was actually in the Salvation Army. And so it was at the age of 21. I had met Natalie on my very first day of university back in 1998 uh, when I was 18 and had journeyed through with her as friends and found out that she was a Christian and part of the Salvation Army and actually a fourth generation Salvo. And I wanted to run away from her as a friend at that time because I wasn't interested in becoming friends with Christians because I was very confused about what a Christian actually was. And as an Aboriginal person experiencing injustice at such a young age, as well as poverty, uh, I don't come from generational poverty, but we with a single mum and my sister, we did it pretty tough. And uh, I'm grateful for my mum for the inspiration she's provided to me. Uh, she's always had a job, but there are some very low paid workers in these lands now called Australia. And so she prioritised our education and accommodation and all of those things. So I'm grateful that she had all of those skills within her to be able to do that. But I hadn't seen Christians uh, engaged with Aboriginal people, engaged in poverty. Uh, for me, Christians were about the elite of society and the things that I saw surrounding Christians, which was usually 
cathedrals broadcast on the news around Easter time, which was for me full of gold and silver and marble. And so I just didn't understand what this was all about. And then coming to the Salvation Army and seeing the founders of the Salvation Army, William and Catherine Booth, and that they did care about injustice, they did care about poverty. And then I heard some things Jesus had to say, and I'm like, oh, okay. But it was a overnight uh, conversion in one uh, incredible youth meeting, is what we call them in the Salvation Army, and I've never looked back since. And so, uh, yeah, Jesus informs my walk each and every day, how I relate to all peoples um, and all of creation, uh, and yeah, I'm grateful for that journey. And you mentioned that you were brought up by your mum and some of that was hard, you know, being in poverty and suffering injustice. But I wanted to ask a bit more about your mum. Is she from the Waka Waka? Is that right? Is that how I'm pronouncing it? Waka Waka. Waka Waka. Can you tell me a bit more about the Waka Waka people? Yeah, so that is my grandmother's country, is Waka Waka country. And so uh, for us as Aboriginal peoples, where your family heritage is from, but also where you're born, where you grow up, where you live, they're all the different communities of which you belong. But your identity comes from where your family line is. And so my Aboriginality comes right through my maternal lines. Uh, So my mum, back to my mum's mum, my nan, and my nan's mum, my great-grandmother, and then all of the generations before that from Waka Waka country, which is uh, Waka Waka Nation is about three hours drive north uh, west of the place now called Brisbane or Meenjin um, and Yugger and Turrbal country uh, around the lands now, the place now called Brisbane. Um, so that's Waka Waka country. But I was born up in far north Queensland on Yindinji country. And then my mum, my sister and I moved to Redcliffe, uh, which is southern Gubby Gubby country um, when I was five. And so that's where I grew up. And so I'm not Gubby Gubby, but that's where I've grown up and spent most of my life. I now live in Sydney on the lands of the Gadigal and Wongal peoples. But fascinatingly, Waka Waka Nation is next door to Gubby Gubby Nation. And on my non-Indigenous side, uh, they were very much settlers, invaders, colonisers of Gubby Gubby country. So there's a fascinating story there about uh, both of my worlds. Wow. So when you were living on Gubby Gubby, was there ever a sense when people found out that your heritage was Waka Waka, that there was a bit of conversation around that? Um, Yes, there's always a conversation. If we're talking Aboriginal mob to Aboriginal mob, you're trying to work out whether you're related or not. And we go through this fascinating process of talking about our surname. So where Williams is um, from Waka Waka country uh, is the name that we go back to. And so you you work out all of those family connections. And then, I mean, on the non-Indigenous side, it's still a learning journey, I think, for many non-Indigenous peoples in these lands now called Australia to understand understand whose country they live on, they work on, they've travelled to and, uh, you know, but for me that it's a living story for us as Aboriginal peoples and I think something that we're being called to right across these lands now called Australia and from a Christian perspective, it's to understand that the borders of our nations as Aboriginal peoples, uh, we didn't determine those. Many If we look at the world today, um, even our states and territories here in these lands now called Australia, those borders have been formed through wars, through negotiations, through agreements. Our nation's borders 
were created by the creator and passed to us as part of that law. And so that's the beautiful journey we need to go on as Christians to understand that what Aboriginal Christians can teach you about these lands now called Australia. And we didn't come up with those names. The creator placed those names here just as the creator placed us here as, as peoples of over 300 nations. Brooke, I knew I'd learn a lot today, but I actually learned that. I didn't know that. So the nations, the Indigenous nations, have been the same for thousands, well, 50,000 years at least. Is that, am I understanding that right? Correct. That's right. And so, you know, that's what's been passed down from generation to generation. And the way I found it out was people kept asking me, oh, how did you come up with the borders of the nations? And I'm like, what are they talking about? Because culturally that's it's just always been that way and that we are taught from our elders that that comes from the creator. And so people might not realise that today, um, well, according to the last census, we'll see what this new census says, uh, but 54% of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people identify as Christian, which is very similar to the non-Indigenous population, uh, 55% identify as Christian. So most Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people actually identify as Christian. And so we are, these, our cultural values and our uh, Christian faith are not in contradiction with each other. And that's the other beautiful journey we still need to explore more and conversations just like we're having today are part of what can, can help to bring that friendship amongst us as Aboriginal Christians and uh, Torres Strait Islander Christians and non-Indigenous Christians, even just starting as Christians together. But as we, you know, build relationship with all peoples of all cultures in these lands now called Australia. Thank you. So tell me a bit about Common Grace, Brooke. What, what is Common Grace? What is it aiming to do? And, uh, yeah, what's, well, I know your role is a CEO, but what does that look like for you? Yeah, so Common Grace, we're a movement of people pursuing Jesus and justice. And just that statement alone, I I think when I look back at my life, and I've shared a little bit about what my life was, um, that Jesus in life, death and resurrection was and is passionate about justice. And uh, when I read the Bible, I see all of those incredible words and actions that Jesus takes that and I include poverty in justice as well. And so Common Grace is now a movement of over 50,000 people pursuing Jesus and justice and focusing on four key justice areas. And Common Grace is about eight years old now. And so when we started eight years ago, and so I became CEO in February 2020, but I came on close to the beginning of Common Grace uh, in the Aboriginal justice area. And uh, so that's one of our four key justice areas. So it's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander justice justice for people seeking asylum and refugees, justice for people, uh, domestic and family violence, and creation and climate justice are the four key areas. And uh, eight years ago, the church wasn't really speaking much into those four justice areas. And so it's fascinating to look back eight years ago to where we are today. Uh, But the role that Common Grace can play in holding together people of all different diversities. So, you know, we do navigate denominational, theological and political differences and uh, to be able to hold that together 
for me is part of what it means to be a Christian. And I guess it's right there in the name of our movement's common grace and that grace that is extended to us and we should extend to all and is reflected in the goodness of creation. And so, yes, four key areas that we can bring justice in and Jesus calls us to uh, through the scriptures. And so we get to, to share that, to educate Christians, to invite you to take action and to listen to stories of injustice. And I guess, you know, a big part of my work has been the areas of injustice for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Um, but those other three areas are vitally important as well. Mm. But did it always start with a more general? I, I actually really only recently learned there was more than the Indigenous justice arm mm. to common grace. Did it always start with the four or with a yes. broad picture? Okay. Yeah. So it started with the four from the very beginning. And, you know, uh, as I see a movement, like Jesus has brought this movement to be and uh, it continues to grow. And there are four key injustices that have do exist in these lands now called Australia. And yeah. Thank you. And so you said your aims are to help, well, I guess to listen to people's stories, but I guess to encourage Christians to listen to each other and to each other's stories and to also take action. How does that work? How do you do that? Yeah, so we do that through mainly our online platforms. And so I really encourage people to look at the website, commongrace.org.au. So many resources, uh, people's stories to listen to. We amplify the voices of particularly Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders. And so, you know, people often think they need to go and find someone to learn from, but we've created this platform where we've gathered so many people together that you can hear from. And in these times of global pandemic, virtual worlds are very important through our social media. So at Common Grace AUS is how you can follow us on social media. But there's, you know, when we started, it was predominantly online. We do a lot of offline things now and encouraging people to form community. We've just had uh, incredible actions. We had over 300 scarves knitted, showing 100 years of the average global temperatures, um, just showing the reality of our warming world. And uh, we've got groups all across these lands now called Australia meeting with their local federal MP to say they care for God's creation. And as Christians, that's part of what our journey should be. And, and it uh, here is, you know, I've, I've created this gift for you. And will you accept the gift of this beautiful or hauntingly beautiful scarf? And so many are. And they're really encouraged to meet Christians uh, who want to meet with their local federal MP and who are bringing that gracious and generous voice, which for me is a core part of what we're called to do as Christians and to encourage and uh, those sorts of things. So lots happening, many ways to get involved. We have, you know, whole church uh, communities who partner with Common Grace, but then often there's just one Christian in their congregation who's passionate about one of those four justice areas and finds encouragement through common grace uh, and you know that's been a big part of my own journey with common grace is uh, that I truly believe that together we feel less tired and less alone and so I understand the reality you know I can't afford to be overwhelmed by injustice it's part of my life each and every day and part of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people's lives each and every day 
what I hope is that non-Indigenous Christians, and I pray about this, uh, non-Indigenous Christians don't get overwhelmed because we actually need you to walk alongside us um, to support, to share that burden of injustice. And the Bible has a bit to say about that as well. And so together we can feel less tired and less alone. And we do create that beautiful body of Christ, not just in our congregations or our denominations, or it's the body of Christ right across these lands now called Australia and right across the world. Thank you. It, it, is, it is beautiful, I agree, to be able to walk alongside of people and to not feel overwhelmed. And I'm so glad you said that because... Issues of injustice are overwhelming, aren't they? And when you think about doing something, it does feel overwhelming. But joining with a movement like Common Grace, there's support there and there's so many practical steps that you give as to what people could do to get involved that might work for them. Just talking about those practical steps. I mean, that's been my uh, big kind of role as an Aboriginal Christian leader. And uh, sometimes people get overwhelmed by the amount of actions that they can take. But what I'm encouraging people to do is, you know, God has given you your own giftings and skills and your own journey. And so what is the one thing you could do? And so for me personally, as an Aboriginal Christian leader, but through Common Grace, we give all of these ranges of actions. It's not that you need to do all of them, but which is the one that fits with your skills and your giftings and where God is calling you and to just do one thing and then see what the next thing is and the next thing is. And, you know, the people that have taken those small steps or first steps, they understand you know, in a year's time, they're uh, doing many more steps and it's not overwhelming or burdensome. It's actually life-giving. Thanks. And I mean, you mentioned the, the lived experience of injustice that Australian Indigenous Christians live with. Are you able to flesh that out a little bit more and explain what, what are the range of things that that looks like? Yes. So, um, uh, as Aboriginal, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, as probably where I'd encourage people to start if you didn't watch the Change the Heart service that we partnered with the ACC TV this year, it's still online. You can go to commongrace.org.au slash watch, and that's still up on the website. And, and it's I can highly recommend that. Where you're so good, wasn't it? It was so good. <laughs> yes. Thank you. And it's a really great place, I think, for people to start because you'll see the incredible depth and diversity of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders right across these lands now called Australia. Uh, But there is a section that goes through a list of injustices. And it's a list I created my very first theological conference I got to speak at at the Global Network of Public Theology Conference in Cape Town, South Africa, uh, back in 2017. And it was on reconciliation. And I have a co-authored paper in enacting a public theology with two papers, actually, in enacting a public theology uh, edited by Clive Pearson. And those two chapters are reconciliation without repentance and recognition without dignity and the postponement of Indigenous justice. So I went, what is all of these injustices, you know, and came up with this list. It's not an exhaustive list. There's still many more injustices, but 
you see Aboriginal people with these injustices and many non-Indigenous Christians won't know about them, things like stolen wages. If you've never heard of stolen wages, Google stolen wages of Aboriginal peoples and learn it's not our ancient history, it's our recent history. And Aboriginal deaths in custody is an ongoing injustice today. And so the racism, the poverty, uh, the lack of closing the gap that we are still, as Aboriginal peoples, dying 11 to 17 years younger than the non-Indigenous population of Australia. That's the world's worst life expectancy of any Indigenous people groups in the world. And so my call to Christians is, what is the Australia we actually want? But as Christians, we are called to think about our neighbours, our brothers and sisters, sometimes the word other is called and to think outside your own kind of situation to, you know, we now are only 3% of the Australian population as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. We once were 100% of the Australian population. So things have changed in the last 250 years uh, and often to the detriment of us as a people group. But there's things that were created 30, 50, 30, 20, 10, and currently um, injustices being continued. And we can change that as humans. And then with Jesus on our side, well, it's even more amplified. And I guess the other thing is as Aboriginal Christian leaders, so those of us that are in ministry and people might not realise I'm actually a chartered accountant by profession, so being CEO. (laughs) I should not chartered, but I studied accounting. Sorry, keep going. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there's only about 30 Indigenous chartered accountants in all of Australia. So I'm one of uh, about 30 and so have worked in some of the largest businesses in Australia, but actually left accounting to go and be an Aboriginal pastor. And that's when my Aboriginal Christian leadership journey began back in 2012. And those of us in ministry as Aboriginal pastors you know, the amount of funerals that you're doing. So the lack of closing the gap, we're at the front line of that ministry. It's very difficult to take a a holiday. Uh, You know, in Brisbane alone, there's three Aboriginal funerals a week. And so there's much ministry that you're at the front line of when someone dies in custody, uh, being there with them. And many of our elders like Auntie Reverend Alex Gator, Auntie Ravina Waldron, Auntie Jean Phillips, uh, who for decades have been at the front line of what do you do with the body? How do you raise the money for the funeral? Uh, because corrections are supposed to pay for Aboriginal deaths in custody's funerals, but um, sometimes that hasn't happened. The suicides paying for those funerals and their suicides of some of our children. And so it's it's kind of a, a constant. And so to have non-Indigenous uh, Christians who are our friends standing beside us and supporting us um, is just so important. And do you think things are getting better or getting worse? And I guess when I say things, I'm thinking for Indigenous people as a people group and then also, and I know major variation, but as a whole, um, but also, I guess, relationships, that feeling of being supported by non-Indigenous Christians, do you think that's getting better or worse? It's absolutely getting better. And so, you know, that gives me much hope and encouragement. A few years ago, a non-Indigenous pastor, minister asked me, Brooke, what keeps you going? And this is when, you know, 
we didn't quite have common grace in the place that it is today with all of these people supporting Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander justice and the other justice areas. Uh, And so it was quite a lonely journey. It's still at times a lonely journey, but they asked me, Brooke, what keeps you going? And so this is like about eight years ago. And I said, it's knowing that God is up to something and I want to be part of that something. And so I see the Holy Spirit bringing Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders together on a scale not seen in some 30 years. I see non-Indigenous Christians um, not just asking one question, but turning up, uh, asking the question, then turning up to the next event and the next event and the next event and going and doing their own learning. I see them amplifying the voices of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders, not just taking our information and using it as your own information, but actually naming us. So Auntie Jean Phillips said this, Uncle Reverend Graham Paulson in his uh, paper, Five Smooth Stones, said this, Uncle Raymond Minicon, Uncle Pastor Ray Minicon said this through a sermon that I saw online. And so that's a really, it's both what has become better and the encouragement, but also a bit of a warning um, or a learning uh, not to steal the information from us, build us up in our leadership and share that across these lands now called Australia, Uh, you know, because the Aboriginal Christian leaders that have gone before me who have passed on now, people like Uncle Cecil Grant, Uncle Pastor David Kirk, even more recently passed Uncle Pastor George Rosendale, um, and then before them, the likes of William Cooper, uh, Pearl Gibbs. These are names that every Australian Christian should know, but I'm sure as I've just named some of those people, many people don't know who they are. And uh, it was their Aboriginality and their faith that drove them to do incredible acts of justice that's you know, the likes of me as uh, a younger generation Aboriginal Christian leader today, um, I find things that these Aboriginal Christian leaders said in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and I'm saying the same thing today and people are seeing them as new, but it's not new. And so God has been so faithful to us and we have been faithful to God and uh, it's time now for non-Indigenous Christians to keep coming on the journey and learning from us and listening and loving and sharing the incredible uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leadership. Thank you. And so what are some key things that we can pray for Common Grace as a movement and I guess for you in your role there? But I I think especially, yeah, what are some things that we can pray for big picture? Yeah, so uh, it's to pray that people find the movement. It still strikes me with um, we've had quite a big reach, but people don't know. And so to actually go to the website and sign up and get on the email list so that you're learning about the injustices individually and through uh, social media channels as well, Uh, then praying that people uh, in congregations spread that message as well and have the courage to stand up in their church services and pray. We release a lot of prayers through Common Grace as well. We believe prayer is a very important part of taking action and just sharing to continue to share what you're learning. I can't teach everyone everything uh, in one conversation and there's so many others to, to learn from. And if you're after theological resources, we've got a section on theological resources. If you're after those prayer resources, 
So it's praying that people find the movement, praying people use the resources and praying that people encourage others to pursue Jesus and justice. I guess my hope is that's through common grace where there's lots of skill and and energy and momentum, but the ultimate uh, important thing is um, to pursue Jesus and justice in these lands now called Australia. Mm, Thank you. And you mentioned all of your theological writings and your theological training. And I know that you are currently writing a book that I'm sure is uh, filling a lot of your headspace. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, so I'm incredibly grateful. In 2019, I was a senior fellow with Anglican Deaconess Ministries, and that has enabled me to be able to pursue writing a book, which ACORN uh, will publish. Uh, Please pray for that for next year. And so I'm finishing the writing of that at the moment. And it's a really practical guide for Australian Christians and the Australian churches. So my hope is that a practical guide of basically taking the Aboriginal hand in friendship. So all of the things I've been teaching in various seminars um, over the last eight, nine years uh, kind of put in a very practical guide for people. It shares my own personal stories, a lot of stories I haven't shared publicly before. And so I guess it's, again, that invitation to listen, to learn and to love. And so it'll be a book for anyone and everyone um, as an individual to pick it up and be able to use it as a small group leader, as a pastor and minister, as a whole church congregation, as a denomination, a Christian school, Christian organisation. Um, so something for everyone and and also to be used by other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders uh, to go, here's actually a resource now that we have in some really practical ways of uh, how to be in relationship with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, but like it includes how to make your place welcoming. Um, So kind of, it's not just about relationship with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, it's how to be a Christian in these lands now called Australia Um, and to engage with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as part of God's story. We always have been part of God's story and always will be. And so, uh, yeah, I feel it's a, a book for this time to, you know, I mentioned that, yes, things are better. We still have a long way to go. And so for me, this is a next step our, our nation could take together. And the I'm sure it'll be promoted through Common Grace, but the working title at the moment, what's that so people can look out for it? Or will it perhaps have a different title when it gets there? I like the working title. I just want you to say what it is. <laughs> um, so with the book, my working title has been 10 Ways to Take the Aboriginal Hand in Friendship, a resource for Australian Christians and the Australian church. And uh, God gave me, uh, it was one of my first messages um, about extending the Aboriginal hand of friendship. And it's up to non-Indigenous Christians to extend their hand back, but to know that even through 250 years of injustice, the call is still to listen, to learn and to love. And through that, even through that injustice, we extend our Aboriginal hand in friendship. It is there. Uh, And so sometimes I get criticised that, we need to forgive, we're too angry, we have already forgiven. Um, And it is love that transpires from Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Christian leaders. And so non-Indigenous Christians to tune into that and um, let's take that hand in friendship uh, together. Because there is a lot that we can learn, hey, I mean, even just the grace that that involves to love 
for an Indigenous Christian to love non-Indigenous Christians, given all the grief and injustice. I think that grace is really humbling. Now, Common Grace always seems to have a campaign on. As you mentioned, there are always lots of things going on in different areas. People don't need to feel overwhelmed and like they need to sign up to everything. But what's the next campaign on your agenda? So we've just had uh, incredible justice work around uh, creation and climate justice. So September is season of creation. Uh, and so we've had uh, a church resource toolkit, which many churches have used, as well as uh, delivering these beautiful scarves that have been generously and graciously knitted to every federal MP and senator uh, to wear during COP26, which is uh, end of October and beginning of November. Uh, and so we're hoping that those actions are taken. But one of the, also November, is the UN Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women. So with our domestic and family violence area, we'll be looking at that. Uh, also on the asylum seeker and refugee uh, space, uh, we are part of Christians United for Afghanistan, and uh, people can go and sign up as individuals or churches, and so really calling for welcome protection, reuniting and support. And so it's an incredible campaign bringing Christians together, not just through Common Grace, but right across these lands now called Australia. So I encourage people to check out Christians United for Afghanistan. But for me, one of my most exciting things on the Common Grace annual calendar uh, well, it's always exciting. I shouldn't have said one, but Advent is coming. And so we have an annual Advent uh, series. And for me, I find it really beautifully encouraging because it's 25 diverse voices from right across these lands now called Australia, right across the Australian church. So many diverse voices with a beautiful theme uh, that people write to. And so it's a really beautiful devotional time um, as we enter that Advent season. And so I love hearing the diversity of voices, the creativity that comes from each of those reflections, beautiful images, scripture, uh, and then stories uh, to inspire people as we pursue Jesus and justice together. And then obviously oh. change the heart uh, comes around again. So uh, at this stage, 25th of January, um, 7.30 p.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time, uh, lock it in your calendar now and uh, be tuning in through the Common Grace website and ACC TV to be led uh, to answer the call by one of our most senior Aboriginal Christian leaders, Auntie Jean Phillips, um, to pray uh, for our nation to pray. And that is change the heart. Thank you, Brooke. I've actually been encouraged to keep praying what Auntie Jean encouraged me to pray this year in January and have kept praying. So I look forward to taking part in that again next year. And I also look forward to the Advent series because my family does a little Advent Bible series. As they've grown up, it's, it's uh, I guess it's sort of met their ages. They're now teenagers. I would love to do the Common Grace Advent. I think that's fantastic. I'm looking forward to that. So thank you yeah. for mentioning that. Yes, and I mean, that's exactly what I meant about people sharing. Use these resources in your family, in your community. Um, and this Advent one is, is perfectly designed for that. So um, look forward to your family taking part uh, in that as well. Fantastic. And do you have a significant Bible verse that you could share with us, Brooke? 
Yes, there's always um, lots of significant Bible verses, but I think the one I would love to share today uh, is from 1 Peter. And uh, we talked about I didn't become a Christian until the age of 21. Uh, This was actually the very first thing I ever read in the Bible. And uh, as I think about all the things that we've talked about today and the pursuit of Jesus and justice uh, and my own life and um, even your life, Tori, and I often talk about how all of our stories weave together. And uh, as this is part of my story, I'd love to share this today. Um, the first thing I ever read in the Bible was First Peter 1. Uh, it was actually verse 8, uh, but I'll start from verse 3 till 9. So First Peter 1, verses 3 to 9. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all of this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you're receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thank you so much. What a cracker to be the first words that you hear from God. That's fantastic. I love those verses too. Natalie didn't teach me how to read the Bible, so I randomly opened it and that's what I read. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you're filled with an inexpressible joy. And that's a joy I continue with today. Yeah. And you mentioned that a pastor once asked you, how do you keep going with common grace in the not being overwhelmed by all the all the injustice that you must be confronted with all the time? I want to ask you a slightly different question. How do you keep going in Christ? Obviously the two are related, but how do you what keeps you standing firm in your faith, Brooke? So one of the interesting things is for me, there is such a compatibility between my culture and my faith. And so culturally, um, we have three key things that there's a word called the dreaming, but what our system of culture and law is. And the creator teaches us, uh, you read any Aboriginal story and you'll see these things, who the creator is, how to care for creation and how to live in right relationship. And for me, they're three biblical mandates as well. And so it's this beautiful coming together. Um, My culture refines my faith. My faith refines my culture um, and strengthens each other. And so it's knowing that example of those Aboriginal Christian leaders before me, uh, those that grew up on the missions who are still alive today, who suffered even more incredible injustice than what I will ever uh, suffer, not being um, counted as citizens, all of these things. So they're an incredible inspiration. And through that level of injustice that they still faithfully follow Jesus is a huge inspiration to me as a younger Aboriginal Christian leader, as well as many other younger Aboriginal Christian leaders. And it's one of the first lessons I learned as a Christian is that every single person you look at 
uh, is Jesus. Therefore, Jesus is around us and with us each and every time. And through that injustice, you know, there's been times where there haven't been non-Indigenous Christians and a lot of racism and, and those sorts of things. And so often all that you have left is Jesus. And so you cling so tightly to Jesus because he is there beside you in each and every one of those circumstances. The pain and the joy, uh, Jesus is experiencing that with me each and every day together. And so that's an incredible comfort. Jesus is the great comforter, the great healer. Uh, and so that's what keeps me going each and every day. Thank you. Can I just ask for my understanding, what do you mean when you say that when you look at every person you see Jesus or they are Jesus? What do you mean by that? So just every single, like Jesus has put all of us here and so uh, Jesus is reflected in every single person. And so that means for me, you know, particularly when there's homeless people and I see homeless people getting walked by each and every day, like they've become invisible. They're not invisible to Jesus. And so they shouldn't be invisible to us as Christians. And whether it's the homeless person or the church leader or, you know, a elite business person, um, Jesus is reflected in all of us. And that's the beautiful tapestry of humanity. Uh, but as Christians, we should be tuned in to the, the lost, the last and the least and to see them especially. And so, you know, it's then to, you know, love all of our neighbours. Loving our neighbour is not just words. It's actually every single person and all of creation is our neighbour. And that was the second greatest commandment, to love our neighbour as ourselves. Thank you for explaining. I think I, I mean, I think I understand what you mean in terms of looking at people and realising they are created by God in his image and so there's an inherent dignity and value that they have that we need to have in mind when we pass people I mean I say pass but I mean I you know think or relate or interact with people yeah yes yeah 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 it's about that looking outside of yourself right so you know it is part of like if I'm out walking, I will say hello to every single person um, because I've noticed them. Jesus notices all of us and um, we're all there. Yeah. yeah. But what I'd actually really love to do, if it's okay with you, is I'd just like mm-hmm. to pray for mm. Grace and for the things we've been speaking about. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Great. So I'll just jump into my listeners' ears for a second. I listen to podcasts and sometimes you're in a place where, yes, you can pray. Sometimes you're listening as you're walking along the street and you feel guilty that you're not really in that moment to pray. Mm-hmm. I guess I just want to say to our listeners before I do pray, it's okay. If you can pray along with us, that'd be great, but feel no pressure if you're actually bathing your child at the moment. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Father, creator God, we thank you so much uh, for your work in creation. Thank you so much for sending Jesus to live and die and rise again in our place so that we can live in a forgiven relationship with you. And God, thank you so much for this conversation, for the opportunity to be able to listen to Brooke and hear about the work of Common Grace. And we thank you so much for loving her and saving her and giving her a heart to do this work. Thank you so much for all that Common Grace does. And I pray, Lord, that uh, you would bless uh, the work and the movement. And I pray that um, you would continue to bring good out of um, the work. I pray that people would continue to uh, listen to each other and to learn from each other and to genuinely love each other. I pray for 
uh, Brooks book writing. I pray, Lord, that you would give her the space to be able to distill that knowledge into a resource that will be really useful and clear and engaging. And I do pray that many people will be pleased to use it and that you would be pleased to uh, use it for good. Um, and Lord, I yeah, pray for all the other campaigns coming up and pray, Lord, that you'll be pleased to bless them as well. Thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Brooke. It's been a pleasure chatting to you this morning. Yeah, thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Lydia Project. We would love you to share this episode with others, whether that be by word of mouth, social media, or leaving a review on iTunes. You can find us on most platforms using the handle at TLPCWCW. Music is Wholesome 7 by Dave Depper and voiceover is by me, Jennifer Mary. 